Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Just so you know, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. All right, let's get you on to the real show. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today we've got a very special guest. Um, Her name is Allison Pregler, and she is known for movie nights, Baywatching, and a ton of other incredible things. So, hooray, Allison is here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show, yeah. So tell tell the audience just a little bit about what you do in your section of the internet, because it's wonderful. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, I talk about movies, TV, all sorts of different things, uh, usually so bad it's good kind of things, just having fun with the uh, the corniest kind of um, hilariously bad stuff, uh, things like Birdemic or The Room or Baywatch, like you pointed out. So that's what I do. I mean, we're covering something pretty so bad it's good today, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of the ultimate so bad it's good of this genre, don't you think? Uh, is it good, though? <laughs> You know, it has moments. It has moments. So what are we covering today, Allison? Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Yay, that didn't feel rehearsed. (laughs) So Spider-Man, turn off the dark is a musical with music and lyrics by Bono and The Edge for some reason. And a book by Julie Taymor and Glenn Berger with revisions by Roberto Aguirre's Sakasa. I butchered that. The musical is based on the Spider-Man comics created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, published by Marvel Comics, as well as the 2002 film and the Greek myth of Arachne. It tells Spider-Man's origin story, <laughs> his romance with Mary Jane, and his battles with the Green Goblet. It shows in, The show includes highly technical stunts, such as aerial combat scenes and actors swinging from webs. And Allison, you are actually blessed and a part of history because you got to see this live. I did. You know what? This is the only Broadway show I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And I'm glad if I'm going to see one, it's it's going to be Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. I bought the T-shirt. I was all for this thing. Like, um, I was visiting some friends in New York um, with uh, Lindsay Ellis and, and everyone over there. And uh, and we just wanted to go see a show. And we're like, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is on. We know that this is a thing. We've been hearing about it forever. Like, this is historic so we gotta go see it and we did and it was it was everything i could have hoped and more (laughs) it was it was truly an experience oh my god (laughs) i just want to know what that was like like because i've only seen clips and like bootlegs like are the stunts as incredible as they seem or are they just a little bit lackluster i know it's a little early but i'm just too curious i can't ask i can't help but ask (laughs) Well, it was the show is such an enigma, right? Because it's so mired in controversy over this troubled production that they had. But honestly and truly, the 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 wireworks and the stunts and the sets um were all really really amazing in person. 
like when Spider-Man's like flying over everyone and when you see like the um there's parts of the set that's like a, a building and then it moves up to show they're like scaling the building and and um all of it is so grandiose and that part genuinely is very impressive. I I can tell you one thing though. Um <laughs> It's a show that's like both expensive and cheap because, uh, as you guys could tell from from the copy that we all watched, um, it is <laughs> the most expensive Broadway production of all time, and you can see it in the in all of the uh, the the sets and the stunts and all of that. But also, you get wacky inflatable arm man <laughs> lizard and uh, <laughs> and a blow up doll wrestler and a prominent display of. Prominent display of stagehands. It's it's bizarre. It, the shortcuts that are there for something that was so extraordinarily expensive. It's like they blew all their money on like some of the stunts and then the rest of it. They're like, we've got five dollars. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. You know, I, I was glad to watch the copy um, that, that we all watched because I haven't rewatched it since it came out, obviously, because it did, doesn't they don't put it on anymore. But seeing it again, um, I got to see details I either didn't remember or didn't notice from from being in in the audience versus right up there by the stage. And uh, I didn't remember like a part where there's like a there's like a flyer flying toward him. And it's just a (laughs) it's just a stagehand with it on a stick. (laughs) And then the stick floats over to him. I'm like, is this a high school production? What is happening here? No, this is the most expensive Broadway show of all time. The most expensive of all time and paper on a stick <laughs> that happened the small steps that it took to be like from that like most expensive show of all time and deserving that title to um basically paper mache art on stage is it's a small they have silly string webs <laughs> silly string it's a slippery slope from like an actual idea to like complete insanity and now i'm just curious to you guys both of you um, given the same amount of resources and ideas, I'm sure we all generally know about Spider-Man. How would you guys make a Spider-Man musical? Uh, I, I mean, I would do probably literally anything except this. Uh, this is just a remake of the movie to put on stage in like the worst way possible <laughs> with music by Bono. I, I don't, <laughs> I think they just did almost everything wrong and it's amazing. <laughs> What about uh, you, Allison? How would you adapt Spider-Man to stage if you had a gun to your head and had to dis- choose to? I would take the original Julie Taymor version with the song about shoes <laughs> and not change a damn thing. <laughs> that's what I would do. Uh, that's the saddest part to me, is not being able to see that version. Because as goofy as the one was that we ended up with, it sounded even more insane before they had workshopped it. Was it was this something that that you'd heard about Andrew? I know Jess no. probably looked into it. I mean, I if there's like a more insane version of this, if you're just trying to preserve the like this is the room on stage kind of thing, then maybe I would say that's a good idea. <laughs> if you want to make something that's actually good, I I think this whole thing needs to be scrapped, but I mean, if you're trying to do like a a genuine good Spider-Man musical, I think the the um, like I mentioned, the wire work and all of that is great. And if you're going to base it on the movies, which it's heavily the Sam Raimi movies, um, that's fine, too. But I, I don't know if Bono was really the best genre music choice for musical theater. That was really weird. All of the stuff with Arachne just seems very out of place. So I, I would take out those elements, honestly. See, I would have, like, leaned into the Arachne elements and made it very much its own thing. (laughs) Like, I would have, like, because that's actually one of the more interesting parts of this show. Like, the Julie Taymor aesthetics of actually knowing how to tell a story theatrical, theatrically instead of just, like, I just got to check all the boxes. I liked the stuff with the the weavers at the beginning Mm -hmm. when they're they're telling the story of Arachne and, and they have them coming in, like, weaving the uh the things that they're hanging off of together and and she comes out though i mean some of the lyrics like she starts singing about like being a spider she goes forever a spider is what she sings and i'm like how do you know what a spider is you're the first spider aren't you yeah this doesn't make any sort of sense spiders are you (laughs) 
<laughs> she fell into that right away. And um, she has these mitten hands. Little like her clampers. hands are these, these mittens. Yeah, that was weird to me, too. It's it's I ridiculous. Think maybe but... drop the Spider-Man. Maybe drop Spider-Man and just make an Arachne musical. I think I recommended that a few weeks ago. <laughs> he did. It's sad. Her, her songs are really pretty. Like, and her voice is really pretty. It, it just doesn't. Nothing's terribly cohesive. Well, Arachne has, other than the spider part, has nothing to do with Spider-Man at all, so... It has to do with Julie Taymor loving, like, mythology and all of that and trying to put a stamp onto this um, Spider-Man show that she was greenlit into doing. Well, if you don't know about the original version where Arachne was the villain and, and it was more of the, uh, part of the story there, it's a little confusing, because, like, why is Arachne part of this story if she mm-hmm. isn't the villain? Like, I, I don't know about the the story parallels there, even though the visuals are really pretty. Um, exactly that. They already paid for the Lady Spider costume and all the stuff, so we gotta get her in there somewhere. <laughs> it was the same with the Swiss Miss character, too. She was a holdover from the other one, and with the uh, the backstory that they put into this new version... It doesn't make a lot of sense, her being there. Uh, and it, it's a shame with the copy that we watched because they cut out part of the middle, which explains some things. Um, but it, all of these villains are created by different organic elements that uh, that uh, the goblin has put into his machine. So you have like Carnage is made from a guy and some blood or something. And then Craven is part animal and... And all these weird things. And then you have, like, electricity? And Swiss Miss is like a Swiss army knife. So like you, what? But why? That's not organic. How does that work? So so the Green Goblin, in, in, in this, he creates all the Spider-Man villains, basically? He does. Um, basically, what they did in this one was give him kind of Doc Ock story from the second Raimi movie. Like, he gets in his machine and then his wife dies and he like cr- creates himself and uh, a section of this copy that we watched was just cut out and i know what happens cuz i saw it i don't know how confused you guys were <laughs> i got a little bit confused yes <laughs> yes i did too um they cut out the best damn song in it though the best song in this musical is freak like me needs company that the green goblin <laughs> sings with all of the villains it's on the soundtrack though I so swore I, it's I on saw the soundtrack that somewhere so if like it, they used it for all the promotions because it's easily the best song. And uh, if you guys have Spotify, like check out the soundtrack on there. It's all there. Um, it highlights also that the Green Goblin is the saving grace of this whole thing. He is easily like the most entertaining part to me. Portrayed by the amazing Patrick Page. Is he well known in the theater circuit? Um, He's becoming well known. He was very well known for playing Scar for many years, and then the Green Goblin made him more prominent, and he's been in the more recent productions of The Hunchback of Notre Dame as Frollo, where he's incredible, and he's about to premiere on in Hadestown this, um, this upcoming Broadway season, which he's going to be in fantastic in. So he's getting up there. That's great. Like, it's he ne- sold it. It's never I, too late I to start. It. How old is he? He's on the older side. He's got to be like late 50s, early 60s. Well, good for him. Good for him, because he he committed to it. And um, one of the things I remember, too, about when I saw it and from stories that I heard, too, was that when they were having these uh, huge production issues, like, for instance, during their opening night for press, things were going wrong. Like the wire work was going wrong and they had to, like, halt everything. And he would be, like, vamping for the audience, like buying time for them. So he'd be, like, playing the piano on the top of the stage like he does in the actual show but he would just keep going and try and just make it a good time and i remember and, the uh, reviews yeah. saying like if mo- if the show had more of the self-awareness it would be an altogether more pleasant experience uh-huh and when i saw it um we had the intermission and when we came back i distinctly remember the lights come up and he's standing on the stage in his full <laughs> green goblin outfit just basking in it and no response at all like everyone's sitting there silent you could hear like a cough like (laughs) (laughs) as we're watching and clearly he's waiting for an applause or something (laughs) that doesn't happen and he goes oh i bet you say that to all the boys (laughs) as if he did get the applause (laughs) should have done like a jazz hands or something like 
ta-da! <laughs> and I don't think that's even his fault. It's the fault of the staging and the way that it's lit, because it is awkward. It really is. Oh, it totally is. It totally is. But, like, he's not... It's not anything to do with his performance. And really, I, I don't think it's anything to do with anyone else's performance either. Just the, the show as a whole is very awkward at parts. There's no saving it is a problem. I mean, every one of these actors saw this show slowly divulge into artistic trash into a universal stage show. The guy who played um, Peter Parker Mm -hmm. in the copy we watched was the understudy. And the version I saw, I believe, was with the original one. Reeve Carney. Do you remember? Hmm? Reeve Carney would have been the original if you saw him, I believe. Yeah, Reeve Carney. I believe it was him. Um, Because this guy, I don't... You just kind of seem like more of a nerd, but not in a way that I I bought. Kind of contradictory. Well, that's the thing about Reeve Carney's performance. He always seemed too cool to be a nerd. And a lot like how the Andrew Garfield version of Spider-Man. <laughs> it's a hard line there, like when you're trying to be Spider-Man, because Spider-Man is cool, but Spider-Man's also a nerd. And so you got to mm-hmm. kind of be both. It's it's a difficult uh, role for any action to play, like in stage or in live action, as we've seen. So I feel I like didn't uh, like the whole like the 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 bullies that were that were bullying him. They had that like bullying by numbers song that went on just short of forever, <laughs> and they all kind of talked like this: bullying by numbers, <laughs> and um, it was not good. What's that bully from uh, from that cartoon, Doug? It's like all of them were that with that kid. Yeah. <laughs> All of them were greasers for some reason, like either greasers yeah, or Burger like... King kids. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the time period confused me, too, with this, because, like, it, it's all over the place. They seem like they're straight from the 90s, but then you got these 40s Dick Tracy villains going on, and then you got these 60s secretaries at the paper, and, like, all of these things mishmash together that don't like stylistically i'm not sure why they did that and then on top of that they have jokes about applebee's yeah what <laughs> in all reality it takes place in ancient greece so <laughs> that was something that was in the um the original uh julie Taymor version that i was sad that they took out was the geek chorus yes <laughs> terrible pun like so cringe but i think that's a good I idea i thought that was a typo <laughs> I thought it was a typo. Nope, it was like a couple of geeks on the side of the stage just guiding you through the story. Oh my god. (laughs) And the girl that played Arachne in the final version started as one of the geek choruses and then slowly, as the other Arachnes got injured and like fell out, became Arachne. Oh man, what a trajectory. (laughs) What is it with uh, ancient Greece and ruining Broadway shows? What was that, like, uh, the Carrie thing, where they all were dressed in togas or something? Yeah, the original version of Carrie, there was a miscommunication that they wanted to be, like, Greece, and the director misinterpreted it from, like, the Greece musical to ancient Greece. (laughs) Oh my god, is that true? (laughs) Yes. Oh my god. One of many reasons why Carrie flopped. I need to see Carrie the Musical. That just sounds fantastic. <laughs> I saw the Riverdale episode that, that oh, no. centered around it. <laughs> Did you guys notice in, uh, in in Turn Off the Dark that uh, all of the, well, not all of it, some of the costumes and the cloth and stuff, they painted on lines as if it was a comic book? Yes, that sounds like a very, a very Tamor-esque decision. Yeah, they did. I noticed that. It was awkward. I don't think it looked good. <laughs> I wish it was consistent. Like, because you almost don't notice it. So it's like, go into it more, like, if you're, if that's what you're going to do. The inconsistency is beyond just that, though. Because they have, like, different styles for every single scene in the show. And, like, you yeah. got the, uh, the giant inflatable guy, and then <laughs> the... Uh, criminals with like a big big heads like yeah you, you can't, they can't keep an art style like they can't pick anything i feel like the most consistent thing about the show is the disgusting neon look of everything my favorite part to revisit because this was just surreal when i saw it and seeing it again like brought back such great memories um when they have the montage of when he first becomes Spider-Man and he's saving the city and that's when you get like all the bobblehead gangsters and all that stuff going on and he's like flying through you have the different stunt Spider-Man and and all of these like uh audio clips 
And a lot of it's very artistic representation of things. Um, and they have like these cutouts that will like come through. And <laughs> while he's like stopping some robbers, you just hear, my baby! <laughs> and then giant Spider-Man floats in, his hand comes in, and a, a baby floats into his hand. <laughs> Which has to be so tiny that it that the baby fits just in a hand. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's either Spider-Man has just grown so much that a baby is that size, or that's a very <laughs> tiny baby. Weird proportions. <laughs> well, there was a, a, a storied history with this, and um, uh, there's a book about it called Song of Spider-Man. Song of Spider-Man, I should say. Uh, Song of Spider-Man uh, by the the other creator, Glenn something or other? Glenn Berger. Glenn Berger. And uh, I read it a while ago, so I, I couldn't remember all of the details of it. But basically, it goes from beginning to end, how did this happen? And it's really, really interesting because when you read it, you really can't blame any one particular person for everything. A lot of it went on to Julie Taymor, and that's why she ended up fired. But she came into it just with a lot of ambition, and maybe she was tackling it from just a, a different angle because of Lion King and just wasn't seeing that this wasn't the right direction or, or whatever. But all these things came together, and, and I don't think it was as expensive as it eventually became just because of all of the injuries and all of the reworkings and all of the delays and, and everything that went into it because just piled up. It had like the longest like preview period in Broadway history at 182 like preview performances. And that is insane. Man, that the, I don't envy anyone that was part of the production because that's it's so thankless. <laughs> But, you know, they all worked really hard on it. And uh, like I said, genuinely, um, the wire work that went into it is super impressive. And I could see the work that went into making this. Um, and there's a part two when he first uh, gains his powers, when he's singing that bouncing off the walls song. And then like the set starts like going around him like a rotating set. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah, some of the stuff in the show is very cool to look at, um, even if it is, like, stylistically, like, weird and, and not fitting all the time, but... They you definitely... can tell it's it's Frankenstein from several things. Yeah, but some of it they did manage to make it look somewhat cool, and I can imagine in person it probably would be pretty impressive to see some of these stunts where they go out almost over the audience, it looks like, so... Yeah, they were going right over us. It was really fun. pick you because you've been surprisingly quiet describe for me the plot of spider-man turn off the dark in as concise a way as you possibly can spider-man turn off the dark so the plot is um well have you seen the 2002 spider-man movie by sam raimi <laughs> that's the plot <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it's just the origin story of spider-man which i don't think i need to explain um, and then he fights the Green Goblin. But it has sprinkles uh, of Doc Ock from the 2004 movie. Yes, and there's a little bit from the, the second movie in there. But it, it's it's surprising how close to the like the movie it really is, though. Like it, They just took... It's like they didn't even bother to research the comics or anything. They're just like, watch the movie. All right, that's we'll just do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge Spider-Man buff, so like I, I couldn't tell you a lot of stuff from the comics but even then like yeah it was surprisingly very much the sam raimi movies to the point where like things that they couldn't fit in they just did anyway like when they're doing the final curtain call they do the like spider-man come from the ceiling upside down kiss yeah yeah they and um one thing that was like a a dead giveaway to me and i'm not a spider-man buff either so don't think i'm reading the comics or anything i, I really don't but uh, he says that he has organic webs, which I know is basically only from Sam Raimi. They didn't do that. That's not in any of the comics or anything like that. And even the newer movies don't do that. It's organic um, silly string. <laughs> yeah, like organic silly string. He's just growing it right in his right in his wrist. Um, I mean, if you could, you would. 
Yeah, so basically they just took the Sam Raimi movie and just did that and that's it. Uh, <laughs> it bothers me with so many insanely creative people that they couldn't be more creative about the story. It did start out with the Arachne plot, though, so I think a lot of that was them just thinking what is the most marketable thing because this is a disaster right now. <laughs> yeah, they're like, let's just do the movie. Everyone knows the movie. <laughs> but I mean, they've had um, productions... That are based off of specific versions of things like movies and all that that follow them closely but become their own thing. Like Shrek the musical, for instance, follows the exact plot of the movie, but they somehow manage to do their own thing because um, they have really well-written songs and add just little things to the characters to make it its own thing. And and I'm not sure they really did that here. I feel like with Shrek, really, you only have the movies to go off of. Spider-Man... A a book, technically. Technically. (laughs) Yeah, but nobody nobody knows the book. Nobody read the book. (laughs) The movie's better. We all know that. Did you like Shrek before it was cool? (laughs) Get out of here. I liked Shrek after it was cool, okay? Check yourself Uh, before you Shrek yourself. I didn't like Shrek till it became a meme. You're partially right on that. Uh, yeah, but with Spider-Man, there's like a huge backlog of comics that you could have picked so many stories that have never been done. Like, I'm just thinking of like the recent Spider-Man movie because I had just seen that and like how off the wall that is. And you can't tell me there wasn't any story that could have worked better as a musical in Spider-Man's catalog, you know? I mean, use Mysterio. He is a theater actor. <laughs> You could do the Clone Saga. You could do uh, When Doc Ock Married Aunt May. There's just a plethora of stories. I mean, we've got... We're in a weird, like, blessing of Spider-Man within the last, like, 15 months where we've had, like, four solid Spider-Man stories thrown at us, including a video game. So maybe it's just, there's a lot of Spider-Man right now. We have the hindsight There's a lot of of Spider-Men, even. (laughs) Yeah. And women. Yeah. And women. (laughs) So maybe we just have too much of that hindsight that we're not able to judge this story. Well, not exactly, because well, Allison, been... you saw this at the time before Spider-Man was blessed upon us all from all angles. I think they were sort of stuck in that they they did do their own story with the Arachne thing, and then they had to rework it. And this was what they thought, I guess, was the most appealing to a mass audience. But also, if you're talking about the comic stories, I mean, there's such a a long history of very complicated stories that, like, I think you just got to start from the beginning when you're trying to appeal to a mass audience. Um, And now we have, like, series of movies that you can build on and more people know about it, so you're not just going to do the origin again. But if if you're doing a musical and you're starting in the middle of it, uh, I don't know how appealing that would be to the people creating it as far as getting a, a return investment. Maybe that was their fear that they didn't want to have another, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. (laughs) That's a deep musical theater cut for everyone. How how many times has the Spider-Man origin story been told in the past 20 years, counting this this here? uh, Like at least three or four times, right? Three, I'd say. It feels like it, really. Four, four because of Into the Spider-Verse. Forgot about that one. Yep. Which Uh, they did it multiple times in that, so... Can I just say that this show is trashed because it has no Stan Lee cameo? Ooh. (laughs) Aww. Hey guys, tell me about this Audible thing. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese that's the name of our show and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title free and start listening it's that easy go to audible.com slash musicals with cheese and get started today why audible audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers so a book that I'd recommend that's currently on Audible is Stanley, the man behind Marvel, narrated by Kevin T. Collins. It tells you all about Stanley and how he created a universe. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese for your free audiobook. All right, let's get you back to the show, guys. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're going to be saying wow every time you use it. Wow. <laughs> Alright, do you guys want to talk about the songs? Alright. Oh boy, howdy do I want to talk about the songs. Alright, so really the first song really worth talking about because it is so terrible is entitled Bully by Numbers. That I oh. think was the worst one, wasn't it? Uh, I, it's I, up there DIY for sure. World actually might be a little worse. That's what I said. <laughs> I actually have God, a soft spot for are, DIY those, World. That's quite the double whammy, those two, one <laughs> Just, after the other, isn't ooh, it? Back to back. It's like, I want to not watch this anymore, please. Thank you. <laughs> There's only two songs out of this whole thing that I thought were worth anything, really. Well, three of them. Um, the rest of it, it just it blended together so much. And there's never any question what the name of any of these songs are, because they repeat the name of the song constantly, like ten times. Well, like, it was written by rock musicians, so I can see why they would do that. And specificity isn't really what they go for in rock music. They just say general ideas. Yeah. But Bully by Numbers, it also doesn't tell any story. Like, it shows that he's a nerd, but it's so long. Like, that sequence is so long and so draining on your, like, patience. (laughs) They, They made a conscious choice with these bullies to make them, like, the most stereotypical... 80s 90s movie bullies in like costumes that look cheap because they're just like normal outfits um one of the guys has a flat top haircut (laughs) (laughs) it it just feels dated even for that time were they doing the bullies from the sam raimi i haven't seen the sam raimi movie in a while but i remember there was like bullies in that were they they were were they copying anything from that they were crappy white kids in the original movie that was it (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember them being that distinct in the movie. Well, they weren't in it very long. Like, in this one, they had probably more uh, time on stage. They had more time to do nothing, though. It really was in the service of nothing. It didn't move the story forward very much. It didn't tell you much about them outside of the obvious. Well, they like to bully people. (laughs) They do. They like to bully by numbers. What does bullying by numbers mean? Um, ask Bono. (laughs) Does it just mean, like, paint by numbers? Like, they're the most stereotypical cliche? Because that would fit. (laughs) Name one bully in your entire life that say, I'm going to bully you now. By numbers. (laughs) It's time to bully you. Get over here. (laughs) It's bullying time. Bullying by numbers. (laughs) If that's how bullies actually were, then maybe it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it's like, all right, come over. It's time to bully. We're, We're doing it. Well, all right. You asked so nice. All right. 
Do you guys want to talk about DIY World now? Because I'm actually a defender of this song. Oh, no. Just please tell me what the worth of DIY World was. Um, I really like the like repetitive B, what you want to do, what you want to in the DIY world. Like, and Patrick Page, like, just kind of humming over it. I'm like, oh, I like that. But everything else in that song is god-awful. I like his uh, lab coat that's like, got circuitry on it. Very Back to the Future, too. It's maybe the cheapest-looking set, I think. I it, it, it looks garbage, in my opinion. I don't remember there being much of a set, right? Just some beakers and stuff? That's part of the issue. <laughs> it was like a, a, a production of Our Town all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like the, he had a lab coat, so it's like, oh, he's in a lab, and then there was like one machine in the middle, and it's like, okay. Yeah, it was not very impressive. I know we're talking about songs, but that reminds me of the thing I found weird about this, too, as far as, far as the structure and, and things that they changed. Um, a very important part of the mythos of Spider-Man is the fact, at least in the movies, this is how it went, um... He when he gets his powers, he's told. Uh, well, he he remembers uh, what he was told by his uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. But he doesn't really get it until his uncle dies. And uh, at least in the Sam Raimi movie, he's neglecting his um, moral responsibilities um, for personal gain. Uh, he lets that that uh, robber go past or whatever that carjacker who ends up killing Uncle Ben. And it's this powerful lesson about um, taking responsibility uh, if you have the ability to help people and, and what what you have at your disposal. And uh, they take that out of this. He goes to the wrestling match with the blow up guy <laughs> and then he comes back home and then a carjacker killed him randomly. And he's like, oh, no, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, well, you could have been doing anything at that moment. And a carjacker came and killed him. I, it just doesn't connect to a very important part of the story. I think you're misremembering. He actually said rise above was the real quote. <laughs> They do uh. use the, like, the great power thing, don't they? No, they just say, you rise above it so they can turn it into a song. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry for misremembering no, that. No, that's a very important Spider-Man just... thing. Is he, sp he says rise above. That's Spider-Man's thing. Okay. Uh, I hope you're feeling above. the sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> there was, um... Actually, uh, there was a I had a, a weird experience um, like a year or two ago. I was in a grocery store and then I heard that song playing on the radio. What? <laughs> they were trying to do like a radio version of that song, not related to Spider-Man. Like no as a marketable way. thing. Yeah. It just very briefly. They were trying to like a resurgence because it, it was weird that long after Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark was off the stage. I heard that and I'm like, what? What? Are you sure? <laughs> they got to recoup that $200 million. They slump it into this somehow. Well, because the guy, uh, I completely keep forgetting his name Reeve that Carney? played Spider-Man. Reeve Carney. He's he's a lead singer in a band, right? Um, yeah, he was also in Penny Dreadful. He's like an actual actor now. Okay. Well, um, I think maybe he was, like there was just that musician connection, you know, mm -hmm. trying to make that more of a, a thing just as a maybe separate just thing. Really liked that song. I <laughs> I also heard too that like Imagine Dragons, they had that album uh, a little bit ago, and it was originally stuff written. For Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? Yes, I remember that. Like, the album with Radioactive, like, that was a specifically a Spider-Man song, just to, that people put out there to see if there could be a rock and roll Spider-Man show. That would have been so much better than this, though. Much better choice than Bono and the Edge, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Dragons, like, I remember their songs. I truly did not remember anything but, like, a few of these um, while re-watching this. I think Rise Above is the only one I can still kind of, like, remember. Other than other than the ones that are so bad that I, like, got annoyed by them. Like, uh, Bully by Numbers, I remember that part, but... You see, I feel like everyone is so hard on Bully by Numbers DIY world that they don't know that Pull the Trigger is really the worst song in the show. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Genetics, Spider-Man, superhuman kinetics, Spider-Man, muscle augmentation, and look at that, web biogeneration. This looks like my world. I don't remember that. How did I block that one out? 
That's when all the like Duke Nukem military people come yes. out. Yes. <laughs> that song what? bothers me so much, especially because it starts with just Patrick Page going, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, enhanced genetic <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> And then oh my god! Evil military comes in. And his wife's like, "Whoa, what's going on?" He's like, "These are my investors." <laughs> like, what am I watching right now? I didn't, I didn't get the transition at all. There, I'm like, "What?" All of a sudden, there's. I guess something happened. <laughs> that song, like, I had Spider-Man turn off the dark on my iPhone for years, and every time that song would come on, I would just hear bump. Bum, Spider Man, Spider Man. I like that. Uh, that Norman Osborn. He kind of he kind of came off like an evangelical preacher about technology, or like a Southern lawyer. Like I'm just a Southern lawyer. It felt like he but... had the Southern accent sometimes, and then like maybe he had it the whole time, but he he like overdid it in certain scenes. It felt like it faded when he became the Green Goblin. But before, like, he's just like, and then the technology will deliver us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Norman's from the South. The Green Goblin was born in New York, so. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Can't, can't argue with that. Well, I guess it's time for us to talk about the most fabulous song in the entire show. A Freak Like Me Needs Company. Yes. <laughs> I don't think, like, just videos can do this scene justice. I feel like it's something you have to see live. Fabulous. I knew about the song before going into it, because that was what they were promoting it with a lot. And for good reason. Like, this is a, a campy fun time. And there's a, a clip you can find uh, on YouTube of them doing this on uh, David Letterman's show. So it's like David Letterman, like, uh, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. <laughs> and then Green Goblin comes in. It's like, this place was so easy to break into. <laughs> they start singing the song and then like wacky inflatable arm lizard comes out in the audience and you can see people ducking like, ah, don't hit me with your lizard. And then when they're all like on stage in the end and like Green Goblin has this line where he's like, Craven loves the animals just a little too much, if you ask me. <laughs> what? Oh what are you implying? Is he is he <laughs> fucking the animals? <laughs> what is happening? He kills them first, okay? So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's fine if it's necrophilia as well. Uh, for animals. For animals. <laughs> How about we don't approve yeah. necrophilia or like bestiality or necrophilic bestiality on this show at all? I th <laughs> I just approved of it, but you know I you think, can deny that. <laughs> I think they colored his tongue, the Green Goblin, at least for that production, because he's like sticking his tongue out and it's all like blue or green or whatever. He's like, like all of a sudden he's a member of Kiss or something, and he's they're just throwing the stuff audience. at a wall to see what sticks. And yeah. fun fact, in that scene, David Letterman decided, I'm going to retire. <laughs> I, I have was, seen it like, all. The, the stage was packed with a bunch of, of campy villains, and then David Letterman lost in a sea of neon <laughs> colors trying to find his way to the front to like go to commercial. Oh, God. Uh, truly a, an amazing clip. <laughs> Let me talk about If the World Should End, which is a song that makes no sense in this specific version of the show. Between Mary Jane and Peter, it's what they sang at the Tonys, and it's like this dark, melancholy number um, about the end of the world, and really nothing's happening. Like, it's obvious it was supposed to be, like, yeah. while stuff is happening, but nope. Yeah, I don't know if they showed a very good progression with their relationship to get to that point. Uh, just the fact that it's Mary Jane at all, and somehow they treat her worse than the Sam Raimi movies treated Kirsten Dunst's interpretation of it. 
I just don't know if they did a lot with her until she gets kidnapped. They do some stuff about showing like her abusive family, uh, but it it got kind of lost in the shuffle, I think. Yeah, and Jennifer Diamano, who played her, and she was also a very well-known Broadway actress, um, does what she can, but it's really sad to see someone just kind of have to like wince her way through these cringeworthy lines, and her and Reeve Carney just absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. <laughs> She called me Tiger. Well, she could have called me Dolphin. <laughs> Why? <What? laughs> this is really more of a like Green Goblin Spider-Man movie than than uh, our <laughs> uh, play than a um than anything about uh Peter and Mary Jane. And she doesn't even have any songs of her own. Like, there's not really a lot to build her character. She's more of a, a plot device than anything. Which is a remnant from the original version of the show, where in Act 2, it's basically all Peter and Mary Jane, and Arachne kidnaps Mary Jane, and, like, tells Peter, you must either love me or kill me, or else I'm gonna murder Mary Jane. Oh, okay. So, I, I, it's a remnant from when she was a more important active person. Or fridged character. It would have been a better show with more of her. This is just no, there's no real connection. It's just, uh, it's basically just bare bones superhero fighting. Uh, and that's it with no real emotion to it as it is now. And the fighting's not very good either, to be honest. They have the, the, the Green Goblin in uh, Spider-Man fight, their first uh, fight together after he's like taken his mask off and the hits and the punches like completely miss contact. <laughs> It was really bad. They don't try very hard. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Maybe that's why a for... couple people almost died. Aww. Well, they, they tried well, that, for the stunts. That... They didn't try for the fighting. Yeah, like the stunts when they're like the hang glider stunt, when they're like going over the audience fighting each other. That was good. Like the hand to hand stuff was bad, I think, because they were both kind of encumbered with things that made it not uh, very conducive to like hand to hand fighting. But the yeah, when they're like you're going over the audience like together in the air fighting, that was pretty good. Do you think it would have been handled better if they just threw up like the POW cards from the 1960s Batman animated series just so they block <laughs> the lack of connection? Yeah, maybe throw out some like smoke clouds or something or just flash a light like that's like blind the audience for a second so they don't see the misconnection. Strobe what? lights. Yeah, I don't think strobe lights is the answer. <laughs> Yeah, in musical theater, strobe lights are literally always the answer. They just have to put the warning out front like, hey, there'll be strobes. Don't come in if you're epileptic. Hey, guys, you want to get a headache from this show? <laughs> well, boy, boy, do we have the thing for you. Are, are you epileptic? Do you like living dangerously? <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man, turn off the dark. It would be, I think, the only production to injure so many people in the production and also the audience at that point. <laughs> I mean, I am shocked that no audience members like ever got hurt, like with them like flying over the, flying over the audience the way they do. I mean, I I'm really glad that no one died. Like, I'm really glad mm -hmm. that uh, that it wasn't worse <laughs> than it was because I I really feel for the actors and the stunt people that that were in these dangerous situations. Agreed. If someone died, I feel like it wouldn't be funny to talk about, and this would just be a depressing show altogether i mean i still look at this show and find it a depressing show like even the <laughs> people that got hurt really got hurt like the original arachne like got a concussion and had to perform two oh. shows through it because she smashed her head on the top of the ceiling there was other times where she was held upside down indefinitely for like an entire hold with the audience like right there just staring at her oh my god and let's not forget the kid that jumped like smashed on the ground 30 feet because he didn't attach the wire correctly so literally 30 feet straight down onto concrete so yeah Oof. yeah and he was a stunt performer like and he was permanently damaged from that like that's his entire so i'm still like really disgusted at this show and a lot of the precautions that weren't there with it sure well, and, th and that didn't have to do with any of the story stuff. That just had to do with the ambition and and not properly checking safety uh, things that they should have. I'm surprised they were able to go over the audience like they were allowed to do that, honestly. I mean, in Cirque du Soleil, they do that all the time. So it's not that insane for me to imagine. Cirque du Soleil, but I trust them. I don't trust Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is well, not of a trustworthy name for me. 
Maybe after 182 runs, they finally figured out how to do it not so dangerously. <laughs> Did someone get injured on the last on the last show? Just to prove that wrong. Um, I do oh, not believe I that. Don't. I do not believe that they did. <laughs> I don't believe they had any more injuries past the the uh, all of the the false starts there. Um, the, the last injury was on August fifteenth, twenty thirteen. Actor Daniel Curry was hurt by apparently being pinned under a piece of equipment and suffered extreme leg trauma. So that was like well after yeah. the show had opened. Like, oh gosh. That sucks. Mm -hmm. And, like, almost every actor, aside from, like, Reeve Carney, like, hurt themselves really bad. Especially the poor Arachnes. The Arachne is one of the most depressing parts of this show, because they were once a huge part of it, then they get reduced, and then they're still in extreme danger every night. Yeah. Just because of the, the wire work? The wire work, and the way you flip, and the way you have to do that, like, you're gonna, like pull a muscle if you're moved the wrong way at the wrong time because it is kind of like all on a, a set like timer mm -hmm. so well and, and they're also stuck in the big like spider butt cocoon yeah. that, that gets put in the yeah. bottom half oh yeah but you know what these people worked hard they did these people worked hard and, and they, like, des I mean, they deserve the injuries for sure <laughs> and now most and now fun fact now that i'm thinking about it most of the cast of this is in hadestown coming out this broadway you got or this year on broadway you got reeve carney you've got patrick page you got tv carpio who's the original um arachne so just just go see him in that they don't have to do flips or nothing or anything hey <laughs> they the everyone in this show took it a little too literally literally when uh when they said break a leg you know what i'm saying but uh <laughs> Were you guys confused by how they get rid of the Green Goblin at the end? I think I missed this, like, there's just, like, a line of dialogue to explain it very quickly. And I remember watching it live, not knowing what happened, just all of a sudden, like, he's like, nah, <laughs> he falls. Wait, he got hit with the like, piano, the right? Well, he was he was webbed to the piano, and then uh, he pushes it down to like fall on a crowd. And Spider Man's like, "Hey, I webbed you to that piano, so you wouldn't do that." What? <laughs> no! He flies back, and then like splat, Nickelodeon sign shows up. Bling! The end. What was that? <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> I don't understand how you go to that. Like, even if you're trying to be tongue in cheek, like it's such a pathetic way to end it and confusing. They don't even show it happen. They just, it's just like, I webbed up the piano. Oh, he pushed it. Oh, no, I don't do that. <laughs> Wait, no. What? What? <laughs> you know, that's a fine, goofy what? way to end act one of a two act musical. But to end act two of it, it's just like, ah, oh, okay. It's over now. That's the end. That's all, folks. Rise <laughs> 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 above. <laughs> Play me off, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, who do you guys think was wronged artistically the most in the situation? Would it be Sam Raimi? <laughs> Fair. Not the poor acrobats that almost died or the actors that were stuck on this project for years. Sam Raimi, who had nothing to do with it. Uh, he wrote the entire thing, apparently, so. <laughs> what about you, Allison? I don't know if anyone in particular was the most wronged. Like, genuinely, I just think, like, a lot of things didn't turn out the way that people wanted. and Maybe they had different visions, but I think just a, a lot of elements didn't come together for them. So I don't know if I can say one person in particular was, was the one that got the worst end of it. Maybe the audience? Uh, excuse me, I had a great time. <laughs> I, I do not think I was wronged at all. I, I still cherish that t-shirt. I, I will have it Spider -Man always. Spider-Man fans? Like, actual Spider-Man fans? Maybe? They, they wouldn't see a Broadway I musical. <laughs> then why make one? <laughs> Worst musical ever. Exactly. It's like, they will complain about the fact that Ben, or Uncle Ben doesn't have the right hair or that Mary Jane doesn't have red hair. Do you think they're really going to like accept the fact that the Green Goblin is splatted by a piano? <laughs> I think if, if you can make it past the inflatable wrestler that he's just carrying like that scene in Ed Wood with the octopus. Ah! I think if you can get past that, like you, you gotta be on board with the rest of it. I feel like we didn't talk about that enough. That, that inflatable wrestler thing was maybe the worst thing in the whole show. <laughs> and it's so funny. 
It's not funny in the way that they intended either. It's like embarrassing <laughs> that they thought this was acceptable. I was I was watching it and, and just but I didn't see it coming at all. I didn't expect that whatsoever. And I, it just comes on and I'm like, is this is this real? <laughs> and then you got that tongue in cheek like the announcer is like, it looks like he's using him like an inflatable dummy. And then you follow it right up with Uncle Ben's murder. <laughs> Yeah, tonal whiplash. <laughs> this show's not good, but it's wonderful. There was no Randy Savage, that's for sure. <sighs> Takes the best oh, character from the original Spider-Man. <laughs> overall opinions on spider-man turn off the dark and allison i'm not sure if you've seen any of the other episodes but the reason why we have our title is we give a cheese rating at the end where we base where really just andrew compares the show to a specific type of cheese okay (laughs) so andrew what is your cheese rating and overall thoughts about spider-man turn off the dark i didn't give any thought into a cheese rating this this week or any week um so i'm gonna give it provolone I don't know why. I just don't really like prov- provolone that much. It's like it's it's okay, and I'll have it in like a sandwich. Um, but it's generally not my favorite. Uh, but the show, this show, I I think I like some of the songs, and I think it's really goofy. And I probably would watch it again, but it's enjoyable in only an ironic sense, uh, and not it's it's just not actually good by by any stretch of the imagination. All right, now, Allison, what is your overall thoughts and your cheese rating? Uh, I love Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Um, It has great memories attached for me, but also it is that perfect kind of fascinatingly bad. Um, The story is so interesting about how this was made, and it's it's a fun, cheesy musical, um, despite the fact that most of the songs are actually not very good. (laughs) So uh, I'd rate it blue cheese. (laughs) It's very strong and not for everyone. <laughs> and sometimes it could be a bit unpleasant, but in the right combination, like it could be very, very good. That's a good one. That's I like how one. she picked up on the cheese rating <laughs> thing, went with it, and she like totally got it. Nailed well, it. I had some time to think it over. <laughs> I didn't get any time, so I, I had to go right for it. Whoa, 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 Jess, what did you think of this? An interesting mess. I think that's the way to describe it. Um, really, it's hard to describe. It's a bunch of different people's work trying to form together something coherent, but it's just barely so. I would have been much more interested in the artistic mess that would have been Julie Taymor's um, two-act monstrosity, um, as opposed to this one, which is understandable, but boring. And it will never play again. Like, the show will never play again. Like... It's no, it's like cats. It'll be forever. <laughs> well, they keep promoting like we're going to do like an arena tour soon. So get ready. But they've been promoting that for like five years. Oh, man. Do it, guys. Do it. The world needs more Spider-Man. Turn I would see it, too. Like, I'd be first to buy my tickets. I'm like, I'm ready for this. Well, Jess, you'll see anything. You're right. I did just go see Rent <laughs> in, in at a live theater recently. So that, that just goes to show. I'm I'm just curious, uh, Andrew. Yeah. Um, because you're not very into musical theater, um, and this is a new kind of endeavor for you. How would you say that this movie compares? Or this? I keep saying movie. Uh, how would you say that this play compares to other musicals you've seen? Honestly, this is it, <laughs> it's a disaster, but it's actually not my least favorite. <laughs> not even close. Um, well, what's your least favorite? Uh, I think, and we've gone over this several times, is uh, I, I really dislike Rent <laughs> a lot. Mm. Uh, it's just, I, I really, there's something about that one that I just hate. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, but that one I really hated. Um, my Probably my favorite, though, is the first one we ever did was uh, a Sweeney Todd, and I still really like that one. Um, that one's good. Yeah. And this, I would say, is kind of right in the middle. In terms of like production and everything, it's it's much worse than Rent. But I just it's just so it's this one is so bland and, and terrible 
that it's hard to really hate it. And it has no <laughs> it's, negative it's, messages the way that Rent does. Rent has like some messaging that really is bad. Well, it seems like this. See, I haven't seen a wide spectrum of musicals, though I have seen some. But it just seems like it's such a category of its own that like I, I was just curious, like how it compared to you since you guys had watched a bunch of them. Yeah, It's hard to say that this is like and a lot of musicals are like this because the music styles and how they put on the show varies so drastically that's hard to like compare them directly um but yeah i mean if this one's terrible but it's in a in such a goofy way that you can't hate it like you really can't be like oh uh, i disliked watching that it's just maybe you're bored at the very worst <laughs> it's like any other medium it's but, like animation like food fight is probably an equivalent to spider-man turn off the dark but it's very fun to watch yeah like, I'd rather watch that than, um, than like, I don't know, the Emoji movie or something like that, where it's like, it's just, it's just straight bad and, and everyone hates it. And there's just something about it that's disgusting. <laughs> well, and this is also something that tried to be something and just transformed into something else. Like, you can't say that they didn't have a vision in mind um, versus something that was a, a little more cynical, perhaps. So I'd put this right in the middle of the road if I had to rate it. You Would you put it above or below like, falsettos? Because I know you say that's like in the middle of the road, too. Uh, this is below okay. falsettos for sure. Uh, falsettos is actually good. This, I just didn't love it. Whereas this is bad, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> makes, makes sense to me. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Allison, why don't you promote some of your amazing work? Send us your way. Send my audience that might not know you, which I highly doubt, but just in case, tell us all about you. Oh, uh, well, if you want to watch me talk about So Bad It's Good movies or episodes of Baywatch or Knight Rider or any sort of things like that, um, you can find me at youtube.com slash movie nights of the series. Or uh, if you look me up on uh, Twitter, I'm at, um, I'm Obscurus underscore Lupa, or you can just look for Allison Pregler. Mm -hmm. Allison, I do have a question for you. Um, since you're on here and you're usually used to talking about Baywatch or So Bad It's Good Movies, how would you adapt Baywatch into a musical? <laughs> oh, man. Well, it'd have to star David Hasselhoff. It would have to. No substitutions. <laughs> and David Hasselhoff probably has pitched this before. <laughs> um, I know they, um, there was a musical tour that was called David Hasselhoff and His Baywatch Friends. <laughs> But it was mostly just David Hasselhoff songs and women in bathing suits, as, as far as I can tell. Would you expect um, less? Which might be gonna... what the musical would be. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably be like a jukebox musical if it's Baywatch, because they did so many different popular songs over the montages. You'd have to do that. So I, I guess it would be a story centered around popular songs. Um and probably just about a, a rescue or something. Maybe uh, maybe Mitch finds some romance. Maybe something like that. Not a terribly complicated plot. <sighs> All right, let's go through our nonsense. Um, thank you guys for listening. We're so glad that you're sticking with us. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all of the podcast podcast promos at Musicals with Cheese. Please keep leaving us reviews. That helps us get noticed, and we're still doing a giveaway. Not... Um, next week, we'll be doing a giveaway of $25 Amazon gift cards, so please leave a review. You could be a winner. Follow us on Twitter, at Cheesy Musicals, Instagram, Musicals with Cheese. Our YouTube page is Musical Theater Lives. Our email is MusicalTheaterLives at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'll love to read it. Our title card was created by Jolene Casco. Our Instagram and her Instagram is Jolene Casco. Um, do any of you have any final remarks to say before we wrap this on up? Release um, Spider-Man, turn off the dark, do a DVD, do a documentary. That's what they, they need just to don't do. want to slip away into nothingness. <laughs> Preserve this history. <laughs> I agree. The title doesn't make sense. Turn off the dark, turn on the light. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. The whole thing is garbage. Nope, nope. Just got to throw it out from there. <laughs> All right, let's end it with that. All right, thanks for <laughs> listening. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.